man is born afraid hmm? to take birth is to begin to take birth is a discontinuity it's an aberration it's a jerk it's a shock something limited is born something limited and surrounded by an environment is born something with consciousness of self something with consciousness of itself as the body is born so what we call as the beginning of life is in fact the beginning of fear one is born small limited and the smallness and the limitations remain irrespective of how much one grows up physically the body will always perceive the universe to be ranged against itself the body perceives the universe as a hostile entity that has seized it surrounded it so the very seeds of fear are innate in birth in time in that sense human beings are condemned to be afraid and this must come as a lesson for those who talk of the natural state being the childlike state those who say that we do not need realization because we are naturally fearless we must see that man is not born in his nature 
simple thing because to take birth is not one's nature at all birth itself is against nature and i'm not talking of the physical nature that we see all around i'm not talking of prakriti i'm talking of nature as that which is free of even the last remains of conditioning hmm? and in that nature there is no beginning and no end in that nature there is no limitation the proof of that nature is that both beginning and end upset the mind and what upsets you cannot be your nature beginnings come as a shock so do endings similarly limits cannot be one's nature because nobody likes limits and that which you have an innate dislike for cannot be your nature but man is not only born he is born limited the child is not only born he is born limited in fact only limitations take birth so the very beginning of what we call as life is something that violates the true nature do we see this all of a sudden time begins and it's not one's nature really to live in time the proof of that is that time is always a tension always a burden and that which sits as a burden upon your mind cannot be your nature so the baby is born in chains the baby is born enslaved that is why those who have known life treat birth and death as equals they do not find birth any special occasion for celebration mm-hmm. nothing great has really happened the fact is another creature has been brought into misery another one is now going to be subjected to the same useless yet horrible cycles you can 
insulate the child from all kinds of social influences and you find that he or she is still living in fear and greed so it is not as if the society forcibly introduces these elements in the child's mind the child is born with these in fact it would be more accurate to say that only fear and greed are born the child is a bundle of instincts instincts that he has inherited from the genetic material of the parents and the genetic material itself was full of a feeling of incompletion that feeling of incompletion is called desire the child as a body is a product of the desire of parents so it should be but obvious that only incompleteness in the form of desires is born we must get rid of the image of the child as divine perfection that is later on spoiled by the society society after all is not something imposed upon man by some external agency kids are not only born in society they also perpetuate the society they take the society forward they shape the society and kids came first society came later so it is not as if some tyrant from some other universe has imposed the society upon mankind to revenge himself to corrupt mankind not so given the way the child is born he is bound to create societies the society emerges from the child you may leave newborns or little ones on an insulated isolated island free of all human influence and if you visit them a few decades later you are likely to find that they have organized themselves into some kind of social structure and that social structure unfortunately would be as vicious and as depraved as any other social structure that we have seen
I will be doomed. We must come face to face with the fact of birth. For too long, we have celebrated birth and despised death. When you have a newborn in front of you, you must very well know what you are looking at. It would not be incorrect to say that man is not born to celebrate or to be joyful. Man is not born to be free. In fact, much more closer it would be to reality to assert that man is born into bondage. Man is born condemned to live in suffering. Only something very unusual, only something very abnormal can rid man of his preordained script. If nothing unusual happens, then we can take it for certain that man will spend his life in compulsive slavery. The story of slavery may vary from person to person, age to age, gender to gender man to man. But the central idea of the story would not vary. The central idea would be suffering, frustration, ignorance, doubt, slavery. The colors of the painting, the strokes, the canvas, all may vary, but the theme of the painting would remain the same. Now that is man's story as he takes birth as a child. Fear is there in every single cell of the body. Fear is there in the senses. Fear is there in the brain. The moment the child looks out, it sees something that is not himself. He says, that is not me. 
he finds that even his physical nourishment comes from a source outside of himself. He sees that that which sustains his life is not himself. The feed comes from somewhere outside. So the source of life lies outside of myself. The first thing that the eyes tell the child is false. The very first thing that the child learns as he opens his eyes is falseness. He learns that he was born out of somebody else, that the creator is outside of himself. He learns that not only is the creator outside of himself, but even the universe is outside of himself and not only is the universe outside of himself, it is not a particularly friendly universe. Mosquitoes bite, temperatures go high or low, clothes get wet, people go away, one has to cry and scream. It is not a particularly friendly universe. He also learns that he must fend for himself, that he must exert himself to survive, to protect his interests. And he learns that his interests are often at odds with the interest of the universe. He sees that the mother might be preparing to go somewhere, but if he is hungry, he must scream out. His own intentions must prevail over the intentions over the mother of the mother. He sees that there always is a conflict of interest. And he sees that he has to be self-centered if he has to physically survive. If the mother's plans remain, then the kid's interests may get threatened. So he sees that often he has to ensure that the mother's desires do not fructify. He sees that conflict is the law of the universe. And he sees that he must not only live in conflict, but actually prevail in conflict if he has to continue living. He also sees how love is a matter of physicality bodily closeness and sensation. He sees that love cannot be experienced unless somebody comes close to his body. He sees that he has been pampered, cajoled, caressed, nursed only when the mother or somebody else has been physically close to him.
what he calls as love is experienced by him only in moments of physical closeness and the mother is close to him and nursing him to her breast that is when he says ah this is love his very birth his very body has taught him a distorted definition of love you do not need novels or movies or the education system to corrupt the child his very birth is in corruption the very process of getting fed is teaching him something that would take a magical effort to rectify the learning goes so deep in the child's psyche that it would be impossible to pull it out of him or pull him out of it you see all that which we call as the ills of living are already present in the child if today you have influence groups shouting to be heard and recognized if today you have so much of liaisoning in public life in elections if today you find that people organize themselves into communities and hold ostentatious protests and want a lot of media attention don't you see that all of that was happening right since the first day of their birth the child knows that unless he clamors he will not get even food let alone love so we learn the art of protesting shouting seeking attention we do not require examples outside of ourselves to get corrupted our very birth is enough to teach us all that which is a continuation of suffering then comes the society the society comes in precisely because it is seen that the individual as an isolated unit 
is pretty helpless. That is the rationale of the society. It is seen that if man lives all by himself, then his sense of fear, aloneness, deprivation gets exaggerated. So, out of fear, people get in groups, people organize themselves. And that is what one calls as the society. The intended function of the society is probably noble. The intended function of the society is to rid man of his lonely fear. The intended function of the society is to enable man take a few breaths in peace without wondering about what is going to happen the next moment. Society is intended to provide man a sense of security, even if temporarily. Just as all efforts of man originate from his fear and therefore the need to get rid of fear, so does the society. So does the society. So let's not unnecessarily keep pointing fingers at the society. The society came in precisely because we were afraid. The society didn't come in to make us afraid. The society enters the life of man as a probable treatment, as something that would ameliorate, not as something that would further deteriorate. But given what we are, given our bodies, given the blood flowing in our veins, given our eyes, nose and hormones, and given that society is our own creation, we distort the society and co-opt it to serve our own primal instincts just as we co-opt everything else. In that sense, the idea of society itself is a victim. Man came up with the idea of the society and then man distorted and corrupted that idea. And to preserve his sanctimonious self, man now blames society as the cause of his problems. Yeah. If I am afraid and you are afraid, then the society of which 
we two are apart would be a society afraid if the people assembled in this hall are full of concern about their particular personal well-being then any relationship they carve about themselves then any order that they give themselves would be a relationship of discord would be an order of chaos when a chaotic mind comes up with an attempt to have order obviously that order would be chaotic when a lonely mind comes up with an effort to be grouped to be related to be loved obviously that relationship that love <coughs> would be a furtheration of loneliness but now we have something to console ourselves we say you see we were born imperiled but now we have done something that would help us now primal physical nature is the villain and man made society becomes the savior so everything that is now done in the name of society must assume respectability must be bowed down to more or less that is now the society says whatever we are doing as a social pattern as a social order is there in order to rid you of fear so support the society because without the society you would be thrown back into the darknesses of your primal origins so support the society seems all right except that the society has already been co-opted by the same darknesses so what goes on in the name of society civilization and culture is nothing but the expression of the same darkness the same darkness that has now taken a respectable name so you can't even get rid of it 
the child clamors for food at least it is obvious that he wants something and hence he is creating noise about it the child does not try to pretend that he has charitable intentions the child says i want milk for my personal self and you better give it to me i am selfish and i am making no bones about it but the same selfish primal instinct is then socialized to wear a more honorable robe now when you want to fulfill your self centered tendencies you do not cry aloud instead you say you know let us do something that would be for the welfare of mankind and in pretending that you seek the welfare of mankind you keep taking your own cut because you see society has been organized as an illuminated measure then how can the parts and organs of society be drenched in darkness so it is not allowed to express darkness and if darkness has to express itself then it must couch itself in an artificial light the child is very clear it wants to hold the body of the mother it's a physical thing from where it draws sustenance emotional security and pleasure the child is very clear i want the body as a man again he would want the body of a woman as a man he may again want to hold the body of the woman in exactly the same way as he held the body of his mother when he was 2 months old but now he will not say that i am doing it for my own pleasure or my emotional security now he will have a more social and respectable name now he will say it is an expression of my love the child is untaught the child is unsophisticated if the child wants the breast he says i want it and he clamors the child is naked the same child as a man would say i want the same thing in the body but he would call it by the name of selfless love atmic affinity and what not
Now you cannot even tell him that you do not need to feel guilty, you are not doing anything abominably wrong. You were born like that, we all are born like that. So you need not feel so ashamed that you have to hide your intentions. After all, every animal, every being in the universe is doing the same thing, free of guilt, free of shame. Why do you have to pretend as if you are beyond your body? But man does all that. The result of that is that even as fear, greed, darkness, suffering, they keep us vexed and they keep us in a permanent state of dislike of life. Yet we are unable to do anything about them because doing proceeds from realization. And we do not allow ourselves to realize. At least we do not allow ourselves to admit that we realize. Deep within we all realize what this game of love, concern, care, family, society, nationalism. We all know what it is all about. We all know why we follow religious cults and structures. We all know what is this thing called religious convention, familial tradition, social patterns. But because they have been given to us with honorable badges, it becomes even more difficult to rise against them. Fear and greed now get entrenched in our daily life without carrying their right names. Fear and greed were there in the life of the child as well. But there they didn't carry any name. Or if they did, they carried the right name at least. In so-called grown-up life, adult and mature life, the same tendencies continue but with decorated names. The urge to physically continue takes the name of love. The urge to protect oneself against elimination, the urge to somehow have security against disappearance takes the name of care and compassion.
the urge to hide your ignorance takes the name of mysticism the urge to collect stuff that would give meaning to your otherwise meaningless life takes the name of material progress physical pleasures come to be known as the bliss of marital life and the products of that pleasure come to be known as your little bundles of joy now fear and greed have been institutionalized now they have been brought into the forefront of consciousness with names that lend them longevity now you cannot protest against them if you protest against them you would be called an outlaw you would be called irresponsible it would be said that you are protesting against the time tested and well established social order and those who allege this way hardly realize that that which you call a social order is the order of darkness in protesting against this order it is only light revealing its nature now it is time to see how fear discord conflict have become institutionalized in our lives we said it does not take long for a child to see that he is lonely isolated and that he must fend for himself do we see how that is happening with us grown up children every day and how the same message is reaching us every single day do we see that the child looks at a butterfly the child likes the butterfly the child reaches out for the butterfly the butterfly goes away you know what the child has learnt the child has learnt impermanence and it scares him because nobody wants to be impermanent the child looks out of the window and sees brightness it's day time and the child falls asleep kids sleep a lot and he wakes up and he again looks out of the window and he sees darkness it's night the child has again learned impermanence 
he has seen that nothing stays. Even the mother who comes to the child does not always remain with the child. The child is continuously learning impermanence. And impermanence is such a scare. To see impermanence is to see dead bodies in front of you all the time. Impermanence is death. Impermanence implies that if that which was in front of you didn't last, you too are not going to last. If the sun set on the day, the sun would also set on you. If the butterfly floated away, so would your life. The child has already learnt death. There was some hope for the child. Could he directly see that all these things that come and go teach him something valuable about life? Maybe he could have learnt. But as grown-ups, when these things happen in front of us, we give them very deceptive names. And the moment you give them names that hide, obfuscate, you have precluded all possibility of learning. Life is suffering, but at the same time, life, naked, is the only teacher that is possible. The child is born in suffering, but an honest admission of the same suffering is the only vehicle of redemption from that suffering. When we start calling suffering with names that have been deodorized, with idioms that have been sanitized. Painted phrases. Then there is no possibility of looking at suffering as it is and hence all possibility of freedom from suffering has also been dispensed away. The child does not like something, at least he has not compromised his freedom to wail and weep. We too do not like a lot of things, but we have learnt the phrases of responsibility. We say we must continue with these. These are not evils at all. These are our social responsibilities. And when you start bearing suffering as responsibility, then obviously 
you have closed the doors upon yourself now you'll never be able to break free from suffering the child can be easily fooled we too can be easily fooled but when the child is fooled he would not pretend that he is undergoing a course in wisdom you make an idiot out of the child and he would look at you wide eyed amazed unable to make sense of the happening he would not pretend as if he is wise and all knowing we too are fooled all the time in the name of livelihood in the name of markets consumption in the name of religion in the name of education progress career we are being fooled all the time but then when we are fooled we do not look wide eyed into the mirror we do not ask what is happening why am i unable to know anything we pretend as if we know not only do we pretend that we know what is happening with us we also try to teach others we are especially particular about convincing those who are still childlike and hence unconvinced if you come across someone who is a little unorganized not very well adjusted with what is going around him you take it as your holy responsibility to attune him to the social happenings you say no 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 don't think that your office is an evil place it is your staircase to heaven obviously without the office you cannot visit the malls and if you can't visit the malls you can't have a family and if you can't have a family then you cannot be redeemed so the office is your gateway to heaven suffering is given beautiful names that is the great difference between the child and the grown up the tendencies are the same so never ever say that the child is pure or uncorrupted the child has all the tendencies that we have but we have something extra that the child does not have we have our lies the child does not have lies the child does not have lies if the child has eaten something bad 
His diaper will stink. The child will not lie. We keep on eating all kinds of stuff and yet we ensure that nothing about us physically stinks. It would be a good occasion to reflect on how we live in lies. I do not want to be tirading against fear and greed. Fear and greed we have been born with. This nose is fear. This neck is greed. Why keep shouting against them? But at least let me call this as fear and this as greed. If I start calling this as bliss and this as love, then there is a bigger problem. Naming can be such an evil. Naming can be such an evil. Can we see how we have given distorted names to everything and all happenings in life? It would be a useful exercise to have two columns on a sheet of paper And you can keep the paper private to yourself because I respect fear. On one side, just write down what stuff really is. And on the other side, write down what name you have given to it. And if you are especially scared, then write down and swallow it. Leave no traces behind. But do write down. Let yourself know what you are really living in. There has to be a limit to self-deception. It is nauseating. You look at people whose eyes have run out of tears, have become dry, stony, and they are wearing smiles. Obviously, they have been taught to call their pathetic condition as happiness. And it is not as if we do not know. We very well know what our real condition is like. We have used the word nature many times this morning. Let me say, fundamentally our nature is to not to suffer. The proof of that is that you suffer in suffering. 
Had it been your nature to suffer, you would have relished suffering. Nobody relishes suffering. There is no remedy against any of the torments of our life except calling them out. You have to expose them, you have to name them, you have to call them out. You have to point your finger at them and say, you are not A, you are D. And I am not going to keep on calling you A when I very well know that you are D. We all know what A is, we all know what D is. It's a long list, right? Kindly reveal it to yourself at least. It should not be very difficult, you already know. It's a matter of acknowledgement rather than realization. Acknowledge it. There is nothing greatly mystical or spiritual about this acknowledgement. It is a matter of basic decency. It is a matter of fundamental honesty. Yet I assure you that in this acknowledgement lies the only door to freedom. There is no other way possible. What you call as spirituality, what you call as mysticism, what you call as yoga, bhakti are all social products. They are all within the ambit of the society. They are all a product of human thought. They will not redeem you. Only your own innate honesty will redeem you. Being what you are, you can continue to meditate for 7000 years and you will still be what you are. But you will be able to learn the tricks and skills of meditation. You will become a profound meditator and yet remain a troubled and scared person. The seeds of our darkness are very deep. As we said, they are very well entrenched. Conditioning flows in our blood. So you can become anything, any kind of becoming is possible. You can be a great yogi, yet the same blood would be flowing in your veins. You could be the most well-read person in the world. That would not change your nose. You would still be carrying the same nose.
accept inner honesty accept a direct admission accept direct realization there is no way and often the so called spiritual pursuits are an escape against direct realization because you do not want to confront the facts of your life so you turn to bhajan and kirtan because you do not want to look at what you were doing last night or this morning so you would rather escape to some place where there is some satsang going on that would not help that would only make things worse that's a cover up operation i'll start example a new of one guy he returned after a torrid day in the office and he looked for his pack of cigarettes it was happening right in front of my eyes he could not get his cigarettes he picked up a book do you see what books mean to us do you see please books serve the same purpose as the cigarette could he get the cigarettes he would have avoided the book the book was serving as a substitute for the intoxication that was cigarette he needed something to forget the day the cigarette would have helped him cigarette is not available all right literature literature is not available all right some mantra shlok some dharma granth but you know what it is that he would not do he would not look at the facts in the face he would not just admit that he is stuck and that life is rotten he would talk about this and that and people like these often turn deeply spiritual and they start having spiritual experiences it is very easy to have spiritual experiences especially under influence some weed and you are flying out of your body three or four kinds of bodies have separated two pegs down and the nadi is going on the top of your head
some powder and you have started feeling some divine presence here or here or somewhere. And if none of these are available, then imagination would suffice. Man is a highly imaginative being. When the material is not present, then imagination steps in. The Buddha was standing by my bedside. And he touched my forehead and did some dental operation on me. <laughs> Anything is possible, he said. To give oneself pleasure, one can imagine anything. Don't we know that? Why not simply look at things as they really are? Why is that so difficult? Why must we continuously keep lying? If you have to learn something from the child, do not learn that he is free of conditioning. He is not. He is just as primarily conditioned as we are. Kids are violent, kids are jealous, kids are possessive, kids are insecure. I don't know whether you have ever seen a kid stamping on and crushing an earthworm. Kids can dissect insects to pieces. If you have a one-year-old and two-year-old and another baby comes into the household, the elder one can get tremendously jealous. So all these menaces that plague us are there in kids as well. They are in us because firstly they were there in the kid. But if there is one thing that we indeed can learn from kids, it is that kids do not live in guilt. They do not live in deception and shame. They have all the prakritic tendencies, but they have not been taught to lie about them and hide them. Kids can be naked about their selfishness, about their wants and demands. We hide, we deceive. We wear just too much of clothing. We apply just too much makeup.
when a kid is silent and sometimes i do address people of very young ages once in a while and if they are silent then i'm convinced that they have been touched by peace but when grown ups are silent i'm never very sure grown ups are often silent just because speaking would expose them they say as long as our mouth is shut at least no one comes to know that we do not know Now the kid may not understand, and the adult too may not understand, but the kid would not hide that he does not understand. The kid may be silent, the adult may be silent, but the adult's silence may be an exercise in concealment. The adult just wants to reveal something. If the kid is silent, you can trust. interest hmm? if the kid says come here and sit you know it is the tendency to have company man feels lonely so man wants to have company kid may say come here and sit with me and you would know that he is feeling lonely so he is just asking you to sit with him and the kid would clearly say yes of course i am feeling lonely and you should be with me when a grown up says you know let's meet let's have tea you never know what he is cooking you never know whether he is just going to have you sit or probably lay you down hmm? cookies we serve <laughs> pre cooked material i'm saying this again and again kindly do not live in self deception all of us are after something all of us are pursuing goals <coughs> all of us are in the fast lane trying to reach somewhere just pause for a while and ask yourself what do i want and you know what you want but we have lied to ourselves since so long and it's not an offense it's not an accusation it's a part of our training to lie to ourselves as kids we were not like this we have been trained in self deception just ask what do i really want what am i really chasing what am i really chasing you know that and once you know that carry on
I'm not asking you to stop. I'm not preaching. I'm no demagogue. Carry on, carry on. Carry on, but with the honest realization of what you are actually doing. Now carry on. You say I am feeling like partying. I want some entertainment. Pause and ask yourself, what do you really want? And then carry on. There is no need to suspend the party. There is no need to call off the celebrations. Carry on. You feel like calling up someone 10 times a day. Every half an hour, there is an urge to inquire. So how are you? What are you doing? What did you eat? Next time you pick up the phone, ask yourself, what do I really want from him or her? And then carry on, carry on. You have all the rights. The universe is a very amoral place. The universe by itself has no sense of right or wrong. You can carry on with anything. The universe is not going to castigate you or imprison you or expel you out of the universe. But if you do not acknowledge then there is something within you that keeps shrinking, that keeps retreating. So acknowledge. And if that acknowledgement makes no difference to your life, don't be disappointed because we anyway do not intend to create a difference. We are not sitting here because we want to change something. We are sitting here because it is you know, nice to be honest. It is nice to know. It is more fun talking to each other when you know that the other one is not lying. So that's why we are sitting here and talking. We do not know anything of change. We do not know anything of our own birth. Anybody here who knows his own tongue? Anybody here who knows why he has five fingers? So what can we know of anything? We have therefore no right to have a knowledge of, an idea of what is right life. We have therefore no business trying to change our lives to fit into that imagined model of the right life. None of our business. We are not attempting any of that. We just want to acknowledge that which we already know. That which is so obvious, so apparent that it cannot be missed. We just want to acknowledge that. Is that too difficult? How do we know it is real? Because as long as it is unreal, you would be uncomfortable with it. That's the only test. Mm -hmm. 
and is it too much to ask that one must not live in discomfort is that not the basic luxury of living hmm? the inseparable privilege of living tell me please we are born with a baggage a burden we probably cannot get rid of it we do not know whether we can we do not want to conjecture we are born with eyes we are born with hands we cannot get rid of them similarly we are born with fear and greed we do not know whether there is something called fearlessness or freedom from greed but there is at least one power available to me which is to call the nose as nose the eye as eye and the hand as hand why not live in that power why abrogate the basics or is that too much to call the eye as eye yes still that is happening it hasn't really changed now what is changing is that you know so the frustration is uh, being born yes let that frustration remain never acknowledge or realize purposefully never have an intention if your intention is that you will change or improve then you will soon be frustrated and disappointed real spirituality is not about trying to change or become a better person really spirituality is about knowing directly and after that change may happen may not happen one is not entitled to bother about that if you are frustrated it is only because you associate everything with results you say you know what i applied the practice of right naming and acknowledgement 10 times and even after 10 times nothing seems to be changing something has already changed you know what 10 times over you have accepted to yourselves what your facts are something has already changed it is just that it has not changed the way you wanted it to that is why you are frustrated just know just know and do not expect change given what you are you would want things to change and yet remain the same don't you see that a girl is getting ready for a party and she is trying on dresses 
one dress she wears the second she wears and she is not liking any of them the more she changes the more she remains the same because all these changes are an expression of her basic tendency to attract to gain attention to even seduce the more she is changing the more it is being established that her basic tendency is very strong change often establishes that you do not want any change so do not hanker after change the change that you determine is just a continuation if you are greedy then you would want to change one job after the other in all this change what remains solidly enforced the greed or does it mean that along with the job you have also dropped your greed also this acknowledgement that you are talking of must happen right then and there in that moment post facto or rehearsed or imagined acknowledgement serves no good when you are dialing the number it is at that moment that you must know what you are doing not later on later on is just intellectual consolation i knew what i was doing you didn't did you know then <coughs> did you know there no then you didn't then you forgot then you chose to conveniently be ignorant no in the moment what is it that i am doing and make it a joyful practice for yourself knowing what is really happening and laughing at it don't be so desperately afraid i know fear is deep in us but still one can negotiate a little with fear hmm give me a little bit of my space at least you can keep all your territory one can negotiate with fear if you cannot shout out in front of the entire world at least tell yourself what the reality actually is and when you say that to yourself there is no need to break into tears laugh laugh why not and if you have a even a semblance of a healthy relationship with someone have the same practice there as well
have the guts to accept what things are really like. You know what? I have already congratulated you twice on your new dress. But to be fair, I must say that all that I am thinking about is sex. Who bothers about the dress? Have the guts to say this. But many of us are already contemplating the results of this. <laughs> hmm? Many of us are already remembering what happened the last time when they tried something like this. <laughs> Still it's good fun, or not? Yeah. Hmm? Something different. Hmm? Something different. Something different.